0: superheroes they are the staple of comic books when you think of comic books you think about the heroes but you can't have a great hero without a great villain and today we're going to be looking at our favorite villains this is a kirby club produced episode from one of our amazing patrons eric he is uh, not able to join us today but he did task us with breaking down our favorite villains and when i say r i am referring to the r in remzo martinez my co-host remzo what's up
1: you can't spell villainy without villain and the villains that you and I have gone ahead and put together today should go ahead and make anyone's recommended villain reading
0: list extra sinister this Thanksgiving. Indeed, indeed. And there are this was actually really hard for me because I I don't know about you. I'm kind of a villain guy. Like I I like I kind of like villains. My, my
1: soul is black. This took me two seconds.
0: <laughs> well, no, I mean, what was hard for me was just 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 deciding which ones to keep on my very short list as opposed to and I'm glad we decided like Eric first wanted us to just give our favorite and we do end up having a favorite here because we each have a list Uh, but to me I I was I was glad we decided to at least expand it a little bit and do three each because like I mean I have like 50 I'm I'm trying to sort out like I just I love villains and I probably I have probably have more favorite villains than I do favorite heroes when it comes down to it.
1: So can I guess that killer strike is one of them?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Man, I almost forgot about good old Killer Shrike.
1: I've been thinking about it all day. He's number 49. (laughs) He's like my 50. He's right there. Like, he's low enough to be considered dumb, but at least he's in the countdown, so he's still sinister. Kinda.
0: I like it. I think he deserves to be there. He deserves a mention, if nothing else.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yes, but this episode is being brought to you, like I mentioned, by the Kirby Club, and we actually have two Kirby Club members now. Uh, Jeffrey, you'll be hearing his episode next month, but this month is—I think it's actually Eric's third Kirby Club produced episode. The first two we looked at Days of Future Past and uh, the Dark Phoenix. No, not not Days of Future Past. We looked at the, the Phoenix Saga episodes. and the. Yes, the Leprechauns, the Leprechaun Phoenix Saga, and the sadly non Leprechaun Dark Phoenix Saga. And now Eric has steered us in a slightly different direction than the uh, the Silver Age X Men, and he has just wanted us to break down our favorite villains. And I'm really excited about it. Um, of course, you too can produce an episode of your own for a measly fifty smackers a month by joining the Kirby Club over at Patreon. Patreon.com/slash Second Print Pod. Of course, you don't need fifty bucks to join the Patreon. You can do it for as little as five bucks a month, and for that you get access to all of our exclusive bonus audio content like Remzo Rants, like What Mark Missed, like the now defunct random Marvel Comics podcast because Marvel Unlimited took away their random button, which is very sad. Uh, but we do our best to get you guys consistent uh, bonus content for your buck. So please do check that out. But that being said, today I think it's time to dive right in, Remzo. Uh, would you like to begin now? I know, I know you had a list of three, but I also confess to you that I, I couldn't even quite manage three. So I also have an honorable mention as well. Do you have one?
1: Yes, I do. I thought we'd go right. ahead and start this, uh, bloody and mercilessly. Uh, when it comes to a villain, I only look for a few, a few things to, to qualify them.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. You always have criteria where I'm just kind of free, freewheeling here, but let's hear it. My,
1: my, my criteria is this often we go ahead and we look at these villains and we try and make excuses for them. We try and find this quote unquote humanity (laughs) in them. I want the bastards that straight up know they're evil, choose to be evil and love being evil and have also committed Mm -hmm. some of the most heinous acts. So the fact that this guy is my honorary mention should let you know the caliber a super sinister comic book villain that I'm going with. My honorary mention to kick things off is Negan from The Walking Dead
0: interesting a, a non powered villain but a villain nonetheless although you could even argue um, as you go along the story in the the comic book Walking Dead at some point Negan actually does become one of those villains you can almost sort of start to make excuses for if you get deep enough on this
1: almost it takes a while but I mean ultimately all it does is it, it really doubles down on the fact that this is a person who has chosen to be evil and I'll never forget the first time I ever laid my eyes on Negan I was was watching season three of The Walking Dead, already getting attached to too many characters who were going to become zombified or detached at some point, physically or emotionally. They
0: brought him in that early in season three? Well,
1: no, he, he came in a bit later, but this is when he got introduced in the comics. It was around season three of The Walking Dead. I uh, gotcha. So yeah. around this time, I was trying to decide like how much of the comics influenced the TV show and vice versa. And this is when, and, and this, this is full of spoilers, as always. So please, you know, muffins on your ears, hide your kids, hide your husband, hide your wife, If you've uh, been living under a rock for the last decade, but um, Negan, when he went ahead and got Rick's crew and basically, you know, eeny miny mode them into pissing themselves when he (laughs) murdered Glenn and Glenn was my favorite. Uh, at that point, second, probably only a Daryl. Um, when he beat Glenn in front of Maggie and Carl and the rest of his friends, and you see his eye come out, and Egan's like, ah, oh, gross, gotta fix that. And he's just beating the shit out of him with Lucille. Um, that's when I knew we're dealing with a bad motherfucker. But I'm like, you know, that's just the comics. Like, they obviously wouldn't do that in the show and then several seasons later around 2016 what do they do they bring in negan and not only does he kill um not only does he kill um that dude but he kills several other members of rick's crew it's just it, it, it was it was just horrifying in the comics and it was even more so when you could actually hear the bat swaying and the cracking of the skull and the blood spattering everywhere and glenn just like and then he's just dead like it just it just drove it home in a way that just verified that negan is one of the most sick sons of bitches ever created
0: i mean it's it's a nasty scene in the comic and it's like mostly off panel but it's just it's just the, the way they do the sounds and like you know what's happening it's just it it's it's one of the more effective villain making scenes in any medium in the comic i didn't see the tv version never got that far but i am from the sounds of it it was uh, had had similar oh, impact
1: you got it you got just youtube negan kills glenn what's really
0: sp- and he kills he kills i don't want to spoil it but fuck it the show's been out for a while he kills carl in that scene in the in the show too it, right?
1: it, it was the redheaded guy he didn't kill carl Oh, okay. I he No, he, he killed a handlebar mustache guy who was also pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm really going right. to screw this up for some people, but often people have been wondering um, what Glenn's last words were when he got up and his eyes out and he's like, you know, his brain is exposed and he's like, um, Robert Kirkman confirmed that his last words were, Maggie, I love you. Ah. And then Negan continued <laughs> to bash his skull in with Lucille. Oof. Have you ever read Here's Negan? I have the first issue.
0: Uh I, I think there's only one
1: it's a one shot, so yes yeah. you have the first and only issue. Yeah, I was wondering why they didn't come out. I'm waiting for number two. Like did I miss something?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Every week you're like, is it here yet?
1: Yeah. Uh I, I read that and it was like I get what they were trying to do. I don't think um I, I don't think Image Comics was gonna keep doing it because all the profit from that went straight to comic book stores. It was a relief special that they did. So I think Robert Kirkman has said that he'll that he might continue doing Here's Negan, but it'll have to be, you know, at at some point later on. And uh, I think the conversations have kind of at least in in terms of like, you know, comic book reporting have just kind of gone silent for a while, but it was good. I mean, I don't don't like it when they do it to every villain. So I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, I loved the approach they're doing with making Negan more of a sympathetic, you know, anti-hero type of guy like they tried to do. I want my Negan murdering people and laughing and, you know, just being just an evil son of a bitch.
0: Yeah, I mean, his portrayal in The Walking Dead comic is is one of the more dastardly, at least until kind of towards the end of his run um, he you know he kind of gets a little more sympathetic because he ends up sort of helping them out with the um, the whisperer guys or whatever um, but I mean even then you're you're kind of just expecting him to go bad at any minute and then his story kind of gets you know he goes off into the Sun so so we never really know what, has, what happens to him but uh, for the time that he was in full villain mode I mean it, it's hard to find someone that had more of a pure nasty streak in comics than Negan I would say
1: yeah I mean to have Jeffrey Dean Morgan go from the comedian and and the watchman to uh to then being cast as negan i mean that was just perfect casting too i mean it really drove it home
0: indeed indeed all right well uh we will move on to my honorable mention now and th- this was really hard because even with my honorable mention i was like you know i had to spend a lot of time thinking about it um but i i wanted to at least have a representative from what really was one like probably my favorite hero. He wasn't my original favorite hero. My original favorite hero was really like uh, individual hero was Spider-Man, but that that quickly morphed into Batman once I discovered Batman and and just the fact that he didn't have powers, I just always thought was the coolest thing. Um so uh and then of course most of his villains also don't have powers, including my honorable mention, which is not who you might think it would be. It is not the Joker. It is Two-Face. Good old Harvey Dent, and um, I mean, I have I I broke down a little bit of info for uh, for my guys here, but uh, so Two Face uh, debuted in Detective Comics number sixty six in nineteen forty two, I believe, Uh, created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Quick little origin story: his dad abused him and flipped a coin to decide his fate. Now, I didn't I I don't remember if this was in the Long Halloween. It was somewhere, but there is a story where you where where he, re, where they do like a flashback where he realizes that his dad's coin had two heads on it. So this whole time his dad's flipping heads and tails always landing heads and always resulting in, in his abuse. Um, whereas it was just always the two heads. So he's always going to get beat up every time. And I just think that is such an important little at nugget that, um, you know, kind of, you know, parlays into what this character has be has become. And I, I think another thing I really like about Harvey Dent and then to me, like, To me, um, as we discussed, Batman Year One is the canon origin of Batman, no matter what. Uh, Therefore, Harvey Dent is, in my head canon anyway, um, always been sort of, before he became Two-Face, he was kind of like the Batman of DAs. Like, he's willing to work with Batman, willing to go a little... Do
1: you almost see Harvey Dent and Two-Face as, like, two separate characters?
0: I mean, yeah, and they kind of are. I mean, I don't know if you ever read All-Star Batman.
1: Was that the... Was that the Frank Miller one?
0: No, no, it it was one that came out, um, not long after was
1: this, was this DC rebirth?
0: It was, yeah, it was around the DC rebirth time and it was, yeah,
1: it had, it had Ramita jr. Drawing it. Yeah.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And that one, they go into this whole thing where Batman is actually put on this path by Harvey Dent to like get this potion this formula that was gonna like stop fix his disorder but then i think at the end something like batman realized like it was actually going to fix his disorder by killing the harvey dent part and leaving just 2 Face. so then batman gave it this gave him this other thing that that basically kept him in the state that he is in the uh the, the sort of multiple personality state that he is but yeah the like the 2 Face personality is I mean, it's it's literally like the opposite of the Harvey Dent personality. So I, I just like that, that he was really almost like the Batman of law enforcement. It's similar in, in how Jim Gordon is like the Batman of of the police. Uh, Harvey Dent was the Batman of the DA's office, essentially. And in and, and year one, they all end up kind of working together. Um so the fact that he ends up becoming one of Batman's greatest villains and it makes so much sense with once you realize the abuse it's kind of like kind of reminds me a little bit although they're very different characters of course but um I think there's similar reasons that I like them it reminds me a little bit of the Hulk character where this Hulk you know yeah the radiation is what Oh man that that does that does make
1: some sense and we did cover that yeah. you know um the Hulk you know Bruce Banner's childhood way back in like episode 5 6
0: Yeah Yep, indeed. Yeah, so like, I mean, the Hulk personalities, that were were they already existed inside Bruce Banner because of all the abuse that he had received as a child. So he kind of, these personalities formed inside him. You ever seen the movie Sybil? Did you ever watch that in school? No. What was that? It's crazy. I couldn't even believe they showed it to us in school. It's about this girl. It's played, uh, she's played by, who the fuck plays her? Some old actress that I can't remember. Anyway. Yeah, basically, it's it, but it's based on a real story about this girl who was abused and like and she had like twenty seven different personalities that were documented by like psychologists. It's a really famous case um, because like all the different forms of abuse created these different personalities, and she would escape into these different personalities to sort of escape the abuse. Um, so like one personality would be abused, and then it didn't want to remember the abuse anymore, so it would go to another personality. Oh, that's like a, and it was that's just,
1: like crazy Jane.
0: Yeah, pretty much. So that yeah, that's that's Harvey Dent with just one extra personality. So it's not not quite as extreme as Sybil, but yeah, similar to the Hulk in the fact that like this two faced personality it existed in Harvey Dent. Due to his childhood abuse, and only came out with the acid attack in the courtroom when he then sort of became, um, you know, uh, a crime lord as well. And I like that, like. Like, even though he has the two different personalities, he has the Harvey Dent personality and the Two-Face personality. The Two-Face personality has the intellect and the knowledge of the Harvey Dent personality. So he can think like a DA, he can think like law enforcement. And they always use that as a way that Two-Face is sort of able to outsmart regular law enforcement. Of course, Batman will always end up, end up fixing it in the end. But I, I really like that aspect of his character too, that he's not just a random crime boss. He's actually like the ultimate crime boss because he's literally is doing the exact opposite of what he was doing in his pre two-face uh persona um so i i I, I, just, I guess i don't know i don't know if it says something about me i like characters with um <laughs> i don't know if this sounds bad i like characters that were abused and have multiple personalities as a result of that abuse
1: you should see somebody about that
0: <laughs> i should probably work some things out myself as well uh i don't think i was abused i think i had great parents but who knows maybe there's some personalities uh residing in here just waiting for the right moment Stay to come away out from we'll see. acid baths Indeed. But uh, that's as far as I'm going to go there on my honorable mention, because it is just a mention. But that is my number four is Two-Face.
1: Well, um, now we're actually into the top three. And I I can probably say that my guys, I'm I'm having to pull them up right now because I really want to pay attention to this order. Um, Originally, I was going to say... They, there is no order. I just picked the three and they could wane in, you know, my favoritism, you know, depending on my mood and stuff like that. But I think I really did get them down to an order. So my number three is a definitive number three, and I hope it really kind of leads down to who my number one will be. My number three is Lex Luthor. Now, a lot of people, they think of him as, you know, like the golden age, you know, mad scientist, bald, evil, hates Superman scientist. And then we get into the post-crisis era where he is really established as the evil head of LexCorp. What what has always struck me is the fact that Lex is one of those villains who always really just, he does tell you what his intentions are. He really does come clean with why he is the way he is and why he does what he does. Um, While he definitely has more of this public persona where he just try and uh, you know, really tries to make himself into a hero of the people, even so much so becoming president of the United States, as we covered in our Public Enemies episode. Um, Lex also has the ability for great heroism, and that's what's really thrown people off. For like four or five years, Lex Luthor actually just gave up trying to fight Superman. He was like, you know what? I could do so much good. I'm going to actually be a hero and join the Justice League. And you know, for a while, you actually saw like this really great uh, self-exploration amongst Lex Luthor, where you saw deep remorse for what he did. You actually saw that... Alexis is is doing this, not because he has a secret plan, or he he wants to one-up Superman, but because he actually realizes that a lot of his villainy early on was a waste of time. That's what makes his recent descent back into being a villain in the DC Universe almost more tragic, because... He 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 did so willingly. He did so with full intent. Um, one of my favorite Lex Luthor stories is in the original All Star Superman from the mid two thousands, where after he creates basically this formula to give him Superman's powers, um, basically he 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 messed up on something. So what it does is it keeps expanding his power set, almost to the point where he becomes almost godlike, and he can see all the truth and all the answers to life and existence himself. And at one point, it almost cripples him. And um, at one point, he starts, uh, after a fight with Superman, he starts yelling at him. He's like, all these things, all these amazing things I could have done without you. You were the reason why I did this. I hate you. And Superman comes down, and he looks at him, and he's like, that's the sad thing about this, Lex. You could have always done that. You could have been the hero. You could have been better than me, but you chose not to. And Lex Luthor looks up at Superman And he says, you're right. And he gives up. And it was in that moment. It's like, you know, Lex had all these excuses. Lex let his ego really run him. But Lex did all of this by choice. And it's really sad because I think we could look at many people throughout history. Many people were, were like, oh, that that lost potential. Oh, what if they had used their their villainy for good in many cases? What could the world have been like? And with Lex Luthor, we we do kind of see that. So I think a lot of people think that he's sometimes somewhat of a two-dimensional villain. But, um, I mean, when, when Lex is done right and, and you know whether he's canceled or not because he's a freak of nature I will credit um Kevin Spacey with probably being the best on-screen Lex Luthor. Uh his portrayal of Lex Luthor in uh Man in a uh, uh, Superman Returns is probably the, the best version I've seen. Um obviously Kevin Spacey's never coming back <laughs> for obvious reasons, but uh you know I think I don't think Lex gets enough credit. So Lex is my number 3.
0: The only thing I'm going to challenge you on here And honestly, I've never seen that Superman Returns movie, so I can't judge Kevin Spacey's performance. I imagine it's amazing because he is an amazing actor, despite his uh, perhaps illicit. Before he was
1: sexually assaulting minors. Yeah,
0: and threatening people and probably having them killed and all that stuff. Uh, Before all that. Um,
1: Did Kevin Spacey threaten to kill somebody? Did you see that?
0: Oh, no, he he has. Look, this is this is kind of a tangent. He has not directly.
1: Perfect for Lex Luthor then.
0: He did this video where after, like, a like um, House of Cards was, he got booted from House of Cards. Oh, was it the
1: Thanksgiving video? You didn't think I would be gone.
0: Right. He did this video in character, and then, like, not long, he, like, he didn't directly threat, but he did say something like, you'll regret challenging me, or something like that, and then within, like, a couple oh, yeah. months. Oh,
1: you'll rue the day you tried to yeah. come after me.
0: And, like, two of his accusers died in the next couple months. One had, like, a car accident, and one was, like, a mysterious death. So Man, some he Clinton might be, the, he might be more of a portrayal of a villain than you could even imagine. I, uh, I, I'm, but not- I'm not making any accusations, Mr. Spacey. Um, I don't <laughs> actually have any knowledge of this. It's pure speculation. I just read it on entertainment website. I don't know anything, but about comic books. <laughs> we are just comic book guys. We don't know anything. Um, we have no other interests or lives, but, uh, I, I will say to me, Lex Luthor is and always shall be Gene motherfucking heck. You know, I, I can't, I, I don't have the the spacey. Now I'm, I might have to go watch. How do you like those movies, by the way?
1: Here, here's the thing about. Or is it just one movie? Was yeah, there it one was, or two? Was was just that? Superman Returns. Here's the thing that a lot okay. of people don't understand. Superman Returns is the final chapter of the Richard Donner Superman series.
0: Is it supposed to be?
1: It is supposed to be.
0: And it's supposed to be that same Superman and that same Lex Luthor, just with different actors? Yes. Oh, so I didn't know that. If
1: you if you watch it understanding that this is a continuation of the Richard Donner Superman series of, you know, Christopher Reeve's and, and Gene Hackman and everyone else. If you see them as that as that continuing story, you will love it. If you don't understand that, you will be confused.
0: You know, this movie came out during my dark period and not only was I not really watching reading comics then, I wasn't really I can't say I wasn't watching movies, but I wasn't, I just wasn't into comic book type stuff. I don't know what happened. Same thing with wrestling. I just went through this, this 10 year period where I just rejected all the stuff that I was into as a kid. I don't know if I just thought I should, cause I was, in my, you know, getting older or whatever, or I, I don't know what it was, but for whatever reason, this, this did come out in that time period. So I, I never saw it. So, um, so, th- so this is like a sequel to, this is a direct sequel then to Superman Four: the quest for peace. Or are we pretending that super, that like Superman, yeah, four didn't happen. Okay,
1: so <laughs> if you wanna be real nitpicky, just pretend four never happened and just go straight from three where he fights Zod. Was it was it mm-hmm. was it two or three where he fights Zod?
0: it's two or if I, th- this one actually says that the, that it's ignoring the events of Superman. I'm looking at the Wikipedia. Now it ignores the events of Superman three Supergirl, which I did not know was a movie. Apparently that came out in 1984 and Superman four, the quest for peace. So this is basically Superman three, essentially, because it's, if you're, if you're ignoring those other, yeah, movies. that's,
1: that's the best thing to do. So go back and maybe watch a little Richard Donner, Superman, maybe catch the one of, uh, with the OG Zod and everyone. And I think you will appreciate um superman returns I, I i can probably say that while a lot of the early 2000s late 90s superhero films were made for a mass audience there's a reason why a lot of people didn't like superman returns it's because it was made for the people that like the donner movies and it was really made for the for the comic book diehards otherwise if you do not love superman i think i understand why a lot of people did not like superman returns
0: fair enough well i'll add it to my list because i'm i am curious about it and i and Especially now, I'm a little curious about uh, Kevin Spacey's performance, but to me, it's going to take a lot to top Gene hackman Hackman. that's all I'm going to say. But it is not going to take a lot to top Jesse Eisenberg, who I generally like, but terrible, terrible casting for, for Lex Luthor. Just I think the worst part of Zack Snyder's, Snyder's movie is honestly casting wise. I feel
1: like the Eisenberg was the same as like uh, Ezra Miller. I feel like those were studio compromises. Mm-hmm. because originally Snyder wanted Brian Cranston to be Lex Luthor Oh, yes. That would be amazing. Yeah, but they were like, no, this Eisenberg kid, come on, Zach. Come on, Zach. Yeah.
0: <sighs> Anywho. What are you going to do? But we got Henry Cavill, so that's all right. Yeah. All right, well, I'm going to move into my number three now, and I don't have the same necessarily requirements as you do in terms of my my villains having to be extra nasty, extra truly villainy. Although, yeah, well, I'll just get into it because this one kind of goes back and forth. But to me, It is a lot of it is nostalgia. At least my number three is very much a nostalgia pick. But I think he also really holds up as a top villain. Uh, Probably if you look at any list, he's going to be somewhere up there in the top five, I would imagine, on, on most people's comic book lists. But my number three is the one and only Victor Von Doom nemesis of the fantastic four and reed richards debuted in fantastic four number five april 1962 created by stan lee and jack kirby uh quick origin story by the way <laughs> his mother I, I think this is like an updated version of the origin because I don't, I don't know i don't think they got into this in the ver- when they first introduced the character but the current origin of victor von doom um is that his mother was killed in a bargain with mephisto gone wrong now we all know bargains with mephisto pretty much always go wrong uh, but mark yeah but victor von doom learned that at a very at a very young age it's also what interested him in the dark arts and um so what i like about victor von doom is that he is he is he has many things at once he is an iron-fisted ruler of uh, of uh, latveria um, he is a genius, which I always like similarly to Reed Richards. He is a time traveler. He has created time machines. He is a, a relative, an ancestor, I guess you would say of Kang the Conqueror. Um, and, um, he also has like somewhat of a sympathetic backstory in some ways. Cause for so long he was obsessed with sort of like re, you know, rematerializing his mother. I think his scars actually came from an experiment he was doing, um, in like when he was in college with Reed Richards where he's trying to like basically bring her back from the ethereal plane or whatever you want to call it. And Reed was like, I I think he got some settings wrong. He's like, fuck you asshole. And then the thing exploded and burned his face. Um, so I mean, he's, he's a villain. He does villainous things, but he's a villain who has pride, who has honor, who cares about his nation. He might have used violence to overthrow the leadership of that nation and become an, an iron, you know, iron fisted King, but nonetheless, he does care about his nation. He cares about his mother. Um, and in general, just wants to rule the world though um although he, he definitely uh, i don't know if he, he's not really a r- rule the world guy as much as rule his own world guy sometimes which he
1: tried to become god mark not yeah, once well, not you know, twice he tried to do so four times
0: <laughs> sometimes you got to try to become a god to make an omelet something like that i think that's the old phrase
1: as they say in latveria you fix domestic politics with godhood <laughs>
0: And um, but, yeah, I mean, D- Doom was pretty much one of the first villains I was exposed to. My very first book I ever laid a hand hands on was the Fantastic Four. Uh, so I quickly came to know Victor Von Doom as their arch nemesis. But, you know, Victor Von Doom is one of those villains that sometimes ends up teaming up with the heroes whether it's uh, maybe for some brief moments in like an infinity war infinity crusade type thing or or secret wars although he was in the latest rendition he is kind of like the the main villain of secret wars Um, but I I like that he can serve different roles like I mean he even became Iron Man at one point the the infamous Iron Man Um, he's had a lot of different roles and I think it's just the character I I think I enjoy the character of Victor Von Doom more so than I necessarily do of Dr. Doom because Victor Von Doom is kind of you know Dr. Doom is almost an aspect of the Victor Von Doom character, which we see in many different forms, uh, and even to this day, sometimes he's teaming up with Reed Richards. Uh, I think in a recent storyline by uh, I think it's Dan Slott that's writing it now. Um, he or, or is it Chip Zdarsky? One of those guys. Um, and uh, but yeah, he was even just he invited the Fantastic Four to his wedding. Now, of course, he did it with some villainous intent. But there's always this sort of you know. They're friends, but they're enemies, but they're friends, but they're enemies, but they're best friends, but they're really enemies kind of thing going on. He's like,
1: he's like Dwight Schrute. That's why I've always compared him to. (laughs) If Jim Halpert is Mr. Fantastic, then Dr. Doom is Dwight Schrute.
0: That is a pretty damn good comparison, actually. And uh, maybe he's a slightly more evil, slightly more competent Dwight Schrute, but that's, that's not bad. You know, they're, they're like, they're like best frenemies, you know, like they almost need to have each other to battle and play off of. And that's what I really appreciate about, about the, the doom character and the fact that he just ties in so much to, uh, Marvel lore. He ties into the Rama tut stuff, uh, and a big fantastic four story where they go back in time. Um, he also ties into future stuff with Kang, which ends up tying into the past and yada, yada, yada. And he's definitely just a huge part of, of Marvel history. You can't really tell the story of the history of the marvel universe without talking about victor von doom so that is why he is my number three
1: how, how do you feel about what stan lee once said where he was like i don't i don't see victor von doom as a uh, as a villain but as a sympathetic antagonist
0: i like that i like that yeah i mean it, it, it just depends on the writer and the story, but I think that's, I mean, as the, as the guy that created him, I think he'd be the foremost expert. And, and yeah, I mean, he was, he's someone you can feel sympathy for how he got to where he is. He wasn't just born evil. He's not just trying to randomly conquer the world, although he might ne- try to become a God to achieve certain ends now and then um, these things happen. It's the Marvel universe. You gotta do what you gotta do. He just
1: really wants to bang his best friend
0: of his wife. That's what it comes down yeah. to. That's what's always come down to. Uh, Pretty much the entire like first 50 issues of Fantastic Four. Every concept is about every conflict is someone wanting to bang Sue. Ben Grimm wants to bang Sue. Victor Von Doom wants to bang Sue. Namor wants to bang Sue and probably succeeded. Oh,
1: Namor totally did. He totally did. Oh yeah,
0: we know that. Um, so yeah, that is my number three. What about, uh? I think we're back to your number two now.
1: My number two. So Mark, I think I've brought him up once or twice. I actually did a Remso rant episode way yonder back on Patreon. So folks, if you want to listen to me, give a full history of this guy and why I love him. Uh, you can go back into the Patreon archives and check out that Remso rant. I am talking about the hood. The hood. Parker Robbins is one of those obscure Marvel Knights, limited series characters that was brought up during the early two thousands, but was quite quickly kind of forgotten, given a retcon, and ultimately Parker Robbins was just a mugger. He was a bank robber. He was just a low-life criminal from New York, and he always wanted to aspire to do more. He didn't even really want to be a bad guy. He was just a high school dropout who fell out, who fell in with the wrong people and ultimately just led a life of lots of regret. So what he realized was if he's not going to get any type of second chance, he might as well be the biggest badass in crime in the Marvel Universe. So, what he did was he found this enchanted hood, which was actually um, his way of transforming into a giant demon monster and getting a bunch of other crazy powers. And what he did immediately was he tried to take out all the other crime bosses in New York in order to eventually go up against the kingpin. Not only does he succeed in that, and not only does he become one of the new Avengers' most like dangerous villains, but he became an existential crisis to the Marvel universe. He worked with Loki and got access to Norn stones, which made him, uh, you know, like, uh, like dangerous enough to like freak Thor out. Uh, he was, he became so powerful with his demonic powers that he even was in the running to become the next sorcerer Supreme after Dr. Strange lost that title and the Brian Michael Bendis new Avengers for a bit. And even after he was arrested by, um, I think it was... Uh, oh, yes. Uh, he, he also managed to become quickly part of Norman Osborn's cabal uh, during the Dark Reign era. So he instantly became like an A-list villain overnight. But eventually, um, he loses to the New Avengers, gets arrested. In prison, he basically works with a bunch of other prisoners to have them go out and get all their lackeys to go and steal the Infinity Stones. And Parker Robbins even becomes capable of planning this giant... High- Heist to get the Infinity Gauntlet from the Illuminati and uh, eventually like every Marvel hero basically has to team up and I think they even bring in Thanos at one point they're like Thanos we even need you help grab this guy um,
0: <laughs> we know you try to do the whole Gauntlet King and killed half of everybody but we, we need you here. yeah
1: they're, they're, they're like Thanos this is so bad we need you so eventually they-
0: although they even do that in Infinity War like in the same series they, they have to bring in Thanos to, uh, to help them out but yeah, yeah.
1: Because, uh, because Nebula goes crazy but basically no. um, you know w- within probably five six years Years, Parker Robbins, the hood goes from like, you know, robbing liquor stores to threatening the entire universe. And, uh, he's been kind of quiet since they brought him out here and there. He hasn't quite been the same, but the hood was just such a scrappy, you know, uh, he, he's like, he, he, I mean, he, he gotta commend a guy who goes from nothing to threatens existence. There's something like about that where you're like, you know, I I've seen the hustle and yeah, he's a murderous psychopath But he's a cool, murderous psychopath who almost destroyed the universe. So to go from liquor (laughs) store to Infinity Gauntlet, Parker Robbins, The Hood is definitely
0: my number two. Well, this is one character that I cannot comment on, because as, as I've looked up here while we're talking, he didn't debut till 2002 right around the time you know what happened when the dark period began so i know nothing in fact maybe this is a good uh candidate for an upcoming what mark missed uh the patreon show where i go back and read stories i missed maybe you can toss me the best hood story or a, a hood origin story whatever you whatever you think i should read oh, and, and yeah. i'll review that one for patrons i'll toss that you'll, out there right now Because I got nothing else to say about it other than I respect your opinions, Ramzo. But, uh, I have a feeling that my number two is going to be a very similar situation for you, uh, where you will probably have no idea at all about this person, uh, person (laughs) villain. Uh, cause my number two is from the pages of Eric Larson's savage dragon, dark Lord slash Damien, dark Lord, depending on which version of the character, uh, we're discussing here. Now, can I just confirm you have no idea anything about Dark Lord? Is that right? Yeah. Treat me like I'm stupid. Okay. Um, this is a challenge I have been somewhat looking forward to for some time is to explain the origin of Damien Dark Lord. I'm going to try to do it right now without even looking at notes. Okay. So in the Savage Dragons universe got at one point. contacts. Oh, sorry. In the Savage (laughs) Dragon universe, at one point there was an invasion, a Mars attacks invasion. And now this is like an image-wide event, actually. And it actually did tie into a lot of other image type things. Like um, I think like uh the Mar the aliens like killed Youngblood, because it was right when um Rob Liefeld was on the outs with image, so they just like killed yeah, they just, like, got rid of Youngblood with that event. Um, and then that that ends up leading to the Savage Dragon uh, forming the Special Operations Strike Force, which is the government team that replaces Youngblood. But anyway, uh, during that invasion, uh, the, the daughter of Super Patriot, her name is Liberty, she was taken captive by Martians and raped repeatedly by Martians. She then had a baby. Uh, this baby was born with, like, the exposed, like, Martian brain, like all the Martians have. It's, it's basically the same exact Martians from the movie Mars Attacks are tied directly into the origin of, of this uh, villain. So, uh, so that, that's where he was originally born as this, like the, the daughter uh, the, the son of, of Liberty and a bunch of Martians that raped her. Um, so, so
1: Mark, I don't know how Martian biology works, but I'm pretty sure in a gang bang, even if they get pregnant, it's still only by one
0: Martian. I don't know either. I mean, I, I don't know how Martian sperm works or anything. I don't know. If Fre- Freddy Krueger was the son of a hundred maniacs. I said, cause his mom was in the mental institution and got raped by like a hundred 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 psychos. You
1: know, I mean, yes, biologically speaking. Things, so let's just go with this. <laughs>
0: Biologically speaking, you are probably right. It is probably Freddy Krueger is probably just the son of one maniac. And, and, um, and Damien Dark Lord is probably just the son of one Mar- Martian rapist, but nonetheless. Um, so this baby gets taken away as do several other babies by this organization known as the covenant of the sword. Um, they, all, they also capture Savage Dragons, baby Malcolm, uh, who later becomes like the, the star of the series, like literally 20 years later. Uh, cause this is, this is what I love about Savage Dragon is like cont- continuity is like um like it's amazing the continuity like like literally he'll do things in in early issues that have that pay off 20 fucking years later and uh we're gonna look at a savage dragon story i think we're gonna push it back to january because of because of uh well things i may as well stuff take this moment I may as well take this moment while, while I'm ranting, while I'm side ranting about this character's origin, before I forget the reason I bumped this show from next month is because we decided to do something very special ne- this next month. So I'm just going to bust in to the middle of the show right now, with a breaking news an- announcement. Uh, we have teased it. We have discussed it. We have mentioned it. We have feared it, but next month that we will be tackling crisis on infinite earths. It is crisis month in December this year. And, uh, Remzo and I that like this story, you know, we used to do crazy things. Like, I think I recapped 27 issues of Savage Dragon in like the third, uh, episode I of the show. That's too monster. much <laughs> just to get through that one. Uh, I don't know how I ever did that. I don't know how I did 12 issues of, of Analysis Stormwatch. storm watch. Um, but I think what we've realized over the first year or so is that we are at our best, at the, around the four issue range four to six but even the six is kind of stretching it i think we're definitely at our best when we're doing no more than like four issues uh because we can kind of go into the you know go into the detail we need to with everything really go into our side we rants all and, and all that stuff to
1: learn to read
0: but um yeah so we don't have to do reading for you uh but so we have decided to since crisis on infinite earths is a very dense story It's it's 12 issues but it's it's 12 like packed issues i mean so much happens there are so many characters literally like hundreds of characters we're gonna need we're gonna need jonathan hickman to toss up some flow charts for this thing to to keep track of this thing but
1: we're gonna have to resurrect the ghost of george perez
0: (laughs) yeah he's not alive (laughs) is he alive i have no idea i honestly hadn't thought about it recently i think he is i think someone even told me yeah i'm pretty sure he is a let's see Live research, everybody. Live with us in the moment. George Perez was born June 9th, 1954. He is still alive. Oh my God, day. he's in, still alive. In fact, he looks great. There's a picture of him here in 2012. He looks, he looks fantastic. He kind of looks like Lex Luther. George,
1: I didn't mean anything. I love you.
0: Not only is he alive, he seems like he's got a while to go. Like, he's actually pretty young considering you feel like he's been around forever. Like, literally forever. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I think he's got some more. I don't think he's doing any books currently. Okay, so. As far as I know. But he should. He definitely should be. Wow. Anyway, side side rant within a side rant within a side rant, but the first three episodes of December will be dedicated to covering Crisis on Infinite Earths. So tune in for that, my friends. We also have a very amazing graphic that we'll be sharing around uh, from our friend Dan Smots, who uh, does just fantastic work. If you ever need graphic stuff done, you're going to ask us how to contact him and we'll we'll hook yeah, you up for a man. small fee. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, back to Damien Dark Lord. Speaking of confusing um, like Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yes, Martian rape baby. This is only the beginning, though. Um, so it turns out that as as these things happen, Dark Lord is actually like a time traveler because he has these crazy abilities. Because he he not only has like the superpower and super strength uh, that Liberty has passed down to her from her superpoweredness, but he also has all this like Martian blood in him. And the result is just like this incredibly powerful character who has like amazing like psychic abilities. He can do crazy stuff with his mind. He's also a genius, so he can invent things like portals and time traveling devices. He can pretty much do it fucking all. Um, so what happened is Damien Darkler grows up and then he, then Dark Lord not Damien anymore because he's grown up, goes back in time to the eighties and he becomes a villain in the eighties and battles. These heroes, super tough and young tough, super tough gets killed in a nega bomb explosion, which is uh, caused by dark Lord and young tough gets horribly scarred and eventually becomes the anti-hero mace who you may remember from that first dragon, uh, savage dragon story um, we looked at. Um, so, so he, they battle him in the eighties and they kind of like get rid of that version of dark Lord. I don't, I don't, I don't remember if he dies or they might just send him off to another world. I think they send him off to another world, an alternate universe. And that's what it is. That alternate universe becomes dark world. Um, it's basically just this other earth that's like off in another place. And like everything about it is bad. Like there's an evil savage dragon on that world. There's an evil, whatever. Um, so, and, but that world is like dying. So basically what dark Lord wants to do is replace earth, the, the savage dragons earth with dark, his dark world. So he slowly starts like teleporting parts of dark world onto earth. Now this is after Damien dark Lord, the baby has been born, but nobody knows this is the same. This is a, no one knows this is related yet. So basically like dark Lord lives his whole life, lives his whole life. Goes in the future comes back to prepare For his own ascension so he Creates the covenant of the Snord and kidnaps Him has himself kidnapped to Prepare himself to become this villain later on um, and so Are you confused yet um, eventually The special operation strike force Which is savage dragon and a bunch of other Heroes that used to be part of freak force They go to dark world to battle da- to battle dark lord adult Dark lord um th- they are Victorious in that battle and they Kill adult dark lord adult dark Dark Lord, He like gets trapped between this portal and it gets like cut in half. So he's dead. So they save the day. However, the day is not totally saved because later Savage Dragon does figure out that Damien Dark Lord. Oh, and, and also Dark Lord kills Savage Dragon's, um, the mother of his child rapture in, in their, their first encounter. Um, so Savage Dragon, after later learning what, what Dark Lord was all about, realizes that this little baby alien guy is, grows up to be Dark Lord and grows up to kill the mother of his child. So what does Savage Dragon eventually do in a, and I'm giving away a lot of Savage Dragon plot here, but it is what it is. Uh, he goes and tries to, uh, kill this baby Dark Lord. When, when he does that, something crazy happens and he, there's a huge explosion, and, and Savage Dragon wakes up on another world. What turns out that happened, what really happened there, there's multiple realities, all right? There's multiple rea- realities in the Savage Dragon universe. In one reality, and also oh, another thing about Dark Lord,
1: <laughs> shit's getting
0: wild. Dark Lord talks... Dark Lord talks to multiple other versions of himself. So he's in constant communication with other versions of dark Lord from all other different alternate realities. So they're all talking to each other. They're all, they're all plotting together, even though they're all kind of the same guy, they're all different guys, but they're all different versions of the same guy with the same goal to have dark world be like the one world that they rule over essentially. Um, so, uh, yeah, so Savage Dragon tries to kill Damian Darklord, but what really happens is on another universe, in another parallel reality, at the same exact time, baby Damian Darklord transports uh, Savage Dragon's mind to this other Savage Dragon body in the regular Savage Dragon universe, and then Savage Dragon's mind is replaced with the the goes into the body on the other universe that's known as the Savage World, and from that point on. Uh, pretty much all of Savage Dragon, even including till today, takes place on that savage world, Uh, which is another thing I like about Eric Larson. He doesn't just do gimmicks like like gimmicks matter. So like when that first happened, everybody's like, oh, this is going to be like six issues, 12 issues. And then it becomes like the permanent place that dragon stays. So now his new history, he is this other version of dragon that was transported to this other world, essentially. Um, (laughs) Confused yet? I'm not done. So, um, anyway, th- that that is like the basic origin of 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 Damien Dark Lord and how Savage Dragon ends up in a different body on a different universe. Uh, at the same time, um, the 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 version of Dragon from that universe, he gets transported to Dragon's dead body in the original universe, so he's dead. Uh, so sa- basically, the original Savage Dragon is in an alternate version's body for the rest of his series.
1: Okay, pause, 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 pause. So this is like Rick and Morty where, they, where they fuck up their world so they go to the other world where they died and they replace the dead Rick and Morty and every season has taken
0: place in that new world pretty much yeah okay. that's pretty accurate actually uh, that's actually a good way to, to understand it for Rick and Morty fans uh, so yeah the rest of the, it's not that his world was fucked up it wasn't at first he just ended up in this other world and didn't know how to get back eventually they find a way for him to get back to the original world this is like the plot of Savage Dragon 100 it's like a huge story he ends up back in the original world but he has to to go do I forget exactly what happened he has to go back to the savage world to do some shit he gets like called back there And while he's there, he defends, uh, he defends this, I'm pretty much going into the whole history of Savage Dragon here, but it does tie in. He defends, he successfully defends that Savage World against this creature called Universo. Now, Universal is basically, he's Galactus plus a Celestial. He looks like a Celestial, but he's basically Galactus. He goes around eating worlds. Um, So, he he defeats Universo by using this Martian shrinking ray that comes from that Mars attack storyline that they, they kept the Martian shrinking ray. Uh, but meanwhile, because they're parallel Earths, the universal, the universal of the other Earth that a rat, Savage Dragon originally comes from goes there and destroys that Earth because there's no Savage Dragon to, prevent, to, to protect that Earth. That Earth contains original baby Daemon Dark Lord, who we assume it, it did die on that Earth, that version of him, as well as Malcolm Dragon, his son. Uh, however, Malcolm and another version of Angel, Savage Dragon's stepdaughter, escape into a thing and Whatever. That's a whole nother thing. I'm not going to do it right now because we're trying to stick, stick to Damian Dark Lord here. Um, so that, that's kind of like most of Damian Dark Lord's original story with, with Dragon. He does later come back twice in the comics. Once is when Savage Dragon. Do you know the origin of Savage Dragon yet?
1: Yes, we went over that a while ago. No, I, never, I didn't tell you. That was you episode two. three.
0: No. No, I didn't tell you the origin. Like his actual the origin that you don't know in the beginning.
1: His be- origin, is it in volume one?
0: Well, his origin that you know.
1: Goddamn retcons.
0: His origin, it's not a retcon. It's just a reveal of the origin. We, we, he just woke up in a burning field. This
1: is like lost. It takes for freaking ever. Doesn't it?
0: Savage dragon woke up in a burning field and that is his original origin, but he has a real origin of how he got there. I'm not going to give it away because I actually plan to do an episode about that. So I'm going to leave that to the side. But anyway, there, there is another storyline where a teenage version of Damien Darklord comes back and actually sends Savage dragon back in time to fix something and actually saves him by doing that. Because he sees like Dragon as a bigger part of the some story or something. I Listen,
1: Mark, I'm not I'm not pro abortion, personally.
0: <laughs> but, but Damien is a candidate. But
1: if they're going back in time and doing shit, maybe they should give Liberty the choice. You know what?
0: That's part of the storyline, believe it oh or not, Mike. Because God, no. part of the storyline no. is that Liberty was Liberty is a concern, like uh, the you know Liberty is like a conservative like and doesn't is against abortion and that's why she didn't have the abortion. It was a part of the storyline where people were like hey maybe you should abort this Martian rape baby and she's like no I don't believe in that shit. So what if he grows up to destroy the multiverse? Well they didn't know that at the time. Yeah, you're right. Maybe they should go back and ta- but yeah. They don't have they, not all these characters have ready access to time travel like Damian Dark Lord does, but that's about it. Like no one else is a time they,
1: they can't do an Avengers Endgame time heist?
0: I mean, they probably could. Maybe he'll get there eventually. Um, But well, there's a lot. There's actually a couple instances of time travel in Savage Dragon. We'll be talking about more.
1: I have so many things I want to say, but
0: I I I'm I'm gonna stop while I'm ahead. Well, I'm pretty much done. There's one more time that Dark Lord appears. I don't know if he'll be back or not, but to me, this is why he's like the Savage Dragon's ultimate villain because he ties in so much to such different aspects of the Savage Dragon mythos and universe. But he was also the villain that inevitably led to. Spoiler alert, Savage Dragon's death, um, which I could go into that whole thing, too. Um, Did I spoil? I didn't spoil that really for you, right? You look very surprised. Oh, yeah,
1: I know. Because the current because the current dragon is Malcolm, his son. Yes, exactly. So
0: dragon. So basically at one point in in the comics, Savage Dragon loses his powers and he's just like a regular dude with a fin for a while. Um, But there's this thing where other people can inject Savage Dragon's blood and it usually kills them like they get Savage Dragon's powers and it kills them. And then so Savage Dragon's like in his, this final battle with Dark Lord, he's like, fuck this. I got to take Dark Lord on. I'm going to inject my own blood, my own old blood before from when I had powers into my body. He powers up and in this epic battle does eventually kill Dark Lord. Again, a different version of Dark Lord, because this is a multiversal thing. Um, this is when all of them. <laughs> this is when this actually ties into crisis. There is something. There's a storyline called the merging of multiple Earths on Savage Dragon. <laughs> and this was this was the culmination of it. It's actually really funny and, and really well done. Um, but yeah, in that battle, he keeps he Savage Dragons up for the last time. Basically kills, da- kills Dark Lord. And then he fucking explodes because it happened to him, too, from his own blood. And that's how Savage Dragon dies anyway that's why i love damian Darklord because he just ties into like literally like 15 years of savage dragon history and he's just like a really enjoyable character and he can be used for many different things like at one point it's like you almost cheer for him when he shows up in this one storyline where he ends up sending savage dragon back in time to fix all this shit and I, to me as a, as a lifelong savage dragon fan to me he is like the ultimate savage dragon villain uh because he's just tied into so much of of what's happened to savage dragon like he sent him to an alternate reality where his entire rest of the series has taken place since then so and he he also ties into um uh, malcolm dragon because they were both babies at the same time um so they kind of have a parallel story um very complicated very absurd but just very awesome too so my number two um uh, basically just because he is so tied in wait
1: he's wait oh wait i'm sorry i just have to reiterate yes. he's just clarifying number, he, questions he's, are he's not your he, he's your number two
0: he's my number two. Oh my god are you afraid of my number one yes it's not going up in the complicated scale. Don't worry.
1: Because okay. this sounds like a number one
0: pick. I, I mean, I, I honestly did weigh it back and forth, but well, we'll get there. I'll explain why my number one is my number one when we get there. maybe this should be my number one. It's arguable. like I said, I I struggled with this a lot. I struggled to whittle it down to three. That's why I made it four. That's why I'm like, I'm doing an honorable mention, but honestly, I, I could do a list of 30. Like I could, I could do, we could do 10 episodes, bring down our, our top 50 villains. And I, I would never get bored. Yeah.
1: Killer strike being one of
0: them. Killer Uh, strike being number 49.
1: Yes. (laughs) Oh man. My, my number one seems weak compared to that, but my number (laughs) one is another Robert Kirkman creation. I'm talking about robot
0: from Invincible. Oh, Nice. Robot. That's not weak at all, dude. I love robot. Yeah,
1: ro- robot, uh, robot, um, robot, he, <laughs> robot. Um, yeah. So robot, um, like he genuinely starts heroic at the beginning of Invincible, but just like all my other guys, you know. He, he takes this very direct turn towards villainy. So when he does it, there's no going back uh, from his cloning of Rexplosion to his, you know, um, plots to kill most of Earth's heroes. You know, the ones that Omni-Man didn't kill uh, to his uh, strange, twisted love affair with a uh, beast girl. Um, Robot is like a mix of, you know, I, I want to say uh, Ultron, Vision a little bit of Ultimate Reed Richards, if you're all familiar with the with the Maker character from Marvel Comics, um, mm-hmm. you know Robot is one of those guys where you, you're afraid of him because you know he's capable of almost anything and he always has a plan. So when Invincible eventually does defeat him and Beast Girl later on in the series, you're almost at this point where you're just like, I can't really tell if he's dead or not. And while of course there were some moments earlier on where they think they kill Robot and they don't really. Kill Robot, you just get to the point where a robot is almost more of an Ultron than Ultron is, and uh, you know it's just that that maniacal hatred of humanity and willingness to literally kill your friends and family in order to get what you want. Um, Ultron, is, I'm sorry, uh, I can't almost <laughs> say Ultron. Like, uh, Robot is Ultron if Ultron knew what humanity re- what was really to be human, but absolutely hated every part of it. It wasn't just part of his programming, it was part of his identity. So, uh, Robot from Invincible is my number one comic villain.
0: Excellent, excellent choice. And I, I, like, I also like that Robot is, like, actually just, like, this weird, tiny, like, thing that can't move in a jar in reality
1: yeah a little little like you least know, one or or at least
0: Loco. before he goes into uh what's his name that one guy's body the bomb guy
1: you know what he, you know what he looks like he looks like um he, he looks like the little like chest baby thing from total recall yes that is
0: that is exactly <laughs> what here, robot actually me touch looks like. your
1: face with my little <laughs> old baby hands
0: I think robots a great choice and uh, he might have been my number five if I if I did a top five. Uh, I think he's just a fantastic villain. And I I think I think the best villains are like are ones you really get to know and you get to understand. So even if they're doing evil, dastardly shit, you they become like I think that's what the thing for me is like villains that are just are completely tied into the main characters, whether it's into their origin or their story to the point that they're kind of inseparable. And like a lot of people might say that, you know, like, like Joker and Batman are, are inseparable, especially if you buy the part of, you know, that in some versions where it's kind of implied Joker might have had something to do with Batman's death, um, depending on what you're reading. Batman's what parents th- death. Batman's parents. Yeah. Batman's parents death. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, like two face is, tied into him from the very beginning. Well, I, I guess if Joker was a bald in Batman's parent that that would have been the very beginning, but I don't think he really was supposed to be in any kind of can- comics and canon. When, when
1: it comes to, you know, like the Red Hood origin version, which is now I guess the canon version, like that is somewhat tragic because the Joker really didn't want to become a criminal. But like with Harvey Dent, I mean, I mean him turning into Two's face and everything, like that is Shakespearean tragedy.
0: Um so, that brings me to my number 1, who I think is, you know, is he's he's as Ying to the uh, hero's yang as you can possibly be. My number one villain is Magneto. Um, I and to me, this is like this is one villain that even more so than a doctor doom or, or a robot, I think that you really can sympathize with a lot. I mean, he grew up uh, in Nazi Germany. His parents were murdered by Nazis. Uh, he discovered his mutant power, like basically lashing out at, at Nazis that were hunting him. Um, so all good stuff from here uh, was, you know, was a uh, friends of professor X. I, I think that the analogy, he's like the Malcolm X to Professor extra, oh, the Malcolm X to professor X's Martin Luther King. There you go there you go uh and um yeah and i i just think that all and and this is consistent with magneto now when he when he first comes into the comics he debuts in uh, i think it was x-men number one right yep. uh yeah x-men number one created by jack jack lee and stan kirby by wow. stan kirby and jack lee well i just did it again the verse <laughs> of artists stan lee and jack kirby <laughs> and and Jack Kirby, correct? And yeah, I mean, he has been just inexorably linked to the X-Men from the beginning. You can't have an X-Men storyline without somehow bringing Magneto in. And I do like that he has even more so than Victor Von Doom, who he might team with the Fantastic Four once in a while. He's never really... Really, part of them though. Like they always know it's like a temporary thing. Like, like Magneto has actually had his moments of full heroism, where he really joined the X Men. He was a leader of the X Men at one point. He was a leader of the New Mutants at one point. This poor motherfucker, they turned him into a goddamn baby, Remzo. They turned him into a baby. How am I not supposed to have sympathy with, with for him? He's
1: got some grievances. He has
0: legitimate grievances. He has legitimate grievances, not just against humanity overall for you know the things that have happened to mutants and what he's seen growing up, um, you know, in, in Auschwitz, essentially he he's he knows the, the, the cruelty that humanity, um, is capable of, and he's seeing it happen again now with mutants. And that's his motivation the whole time. Um, now we're not going to go into Hickman X-Men stuff where him and professor X are just on the same page and whatever. We're not going to go to that. hashtag but fascism, hashtag, hashtag fascism. But you know, to me, Magneto is the ultimate villain because even at his most dastardly he even still kind of has a heart, like even when he's doing dastardly stuff, he will still kind of like spare people like he he won't go as far i mean he he has killed innocence, don't get me wrong, but he will often kind of like back off on professor X sometimes, um you know even you know and then you know I think. He's had his mind wiped multiple times by Professor X. I mean, he has had bad shit happen to him. And to me, he's he's always acting. I'm not saying he always does the right thing, but he's always acting with he's never just acting out of pure malice. He's always acting because it. it he believes that his actions are going to lead to something better for the people.
1: Magneto Magneto never does anything without a reason to do it
0: correct yes he, he responds to things that happen to him like I mean even in that, in that fatal attraction storyline we looked at you know like like they come after him like like he's just chilling in his freaking uh, he's just chilling up in his satellite and like they go after him uh, so I mean and now you know you could say he had a loose affiliation with the acolytes who were going and killing people in hospitals yada 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 whatever but the point is no matter what you can always see the humanity in him you can see the person that wants to be the good person and to me unlike your maybe your version 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 of a villain who the best villain is just the most evil and dastardly to me, the best villain is the one that just it it almost could have been the hero. You know, he he's maybe just one little event away from actually being the hero because at his core, he, has good motivations, even if he ends up doing sort of dastardly things to, to get to certain ends. Um, but to me, Magneto is just has stood the test of time. Um, he's always an effective character when I, when I'm reading X-Men from the seventies or the eighties or the nineties or today, uh, I am still seeing Magneto, maybe not today because we're in the Hickman verse now, but, um, almost till today, uh, to me, Magneto is, is consistently, you know, he cannot be separated from the X-Men, from the storyline, from Professor X. Uh, it's a yin and yang. And to me, that that's what makes the best villains. So he's my number one. Although, honestly, with uh, how much I ex- broke down Dark Lord's origin, um, you could re- you could really make the case that maybe I should have made him number one. But to me, Magneto has always been the best villain.
1: Well, the only question is, are you team Ian or team Michael in terms of the actors to play Magneto on screen? Ian McClellan or Michael Fassbender?
0: Um, I, I, I think they're both great. I think they both do an, an amazing job. I'm, I'm slightly partial to the Ian McClellan version just cause you know, I'm slightly more partial to those movies overall. Um, uh, but in a bubble, I don't know in a bubble, it might be really close. I like Ian McClellan just cause he seems like more of the older Magneto, which is kind of how I see Magneto. Um, shit, he's, he's in world war two. He's gotta be pretty old. Um, but I mean, Fassbender's awesome. Like He does maybe the second... It's, it's like a one and one A for me, honestly. But if, I think if I was forced to choose, I'd choose McCon. I hear you. I hear you. What about you? Uh, I mean,
1: I, I look at the first-class era of X-Men films, and I see them as... As Magneto's stories, like almost like the first couple X-Men films are almost always exclusively about Wolverine. You know, Mm -hmm. they they really put Magneto front and center. I mean, for for him, for first class, a film that people really did not expect to be good. um, I mean, that it it, it just it, it made him almost like James Bond level cool. Mm. That was how awesome they made him. And even though the, the X-Men films after Days of Future Past definitely waned, I mean, certainly no one's asking for another, uh, you know, apocalypse or dark phoenix. Um, I mean, it was never it. it I'll, I'll even say this for all the actors in that it was never any of the actors fault. It was always Fox's fault. So, you know, I, I'm probably team Fastbender.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. I can't argue with either either one. Um, What about what about your portrayal? Your portrayal. What about the portrayal of Robot in the Invincible cartoon? How do you think that compares to his portrayal in the comics?
1: Uh, I I think they're able to compress a lot of the story elements without losing the depth of what's going on because they certainly uh, move up the pace for Robot's descent into villainy but it doesn't make it any less horrifying when he really does and we haven't even really seen him go full villain yet we're only seeing the subplot of robot becoming the person he will eventually be so I think Invincible season 2 uh, I, I think they're really gonna uh, move up on the, the robot versus everyone uh, era of Invincible and it's gonna be if season 1 was as bloody as it was could you imagine what it'll be when robot goes full psycho
0: absolutely cannot wait for it uh, I think- think invincible is I, I don't know i don't know if i want to go as far as the best adaption of all time to, to the the um animation because i did see uh i think I, I mentioned this last episode i did watch batman year one that adaptation oh you that- liked it Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, it, it's 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 almost better because it's it's kind of panel for panel, but expanded. So you see, instead of just one punched fight with Catwoman, you see this whole this whole long drawn out scene with uh you know with Bruce fighting Catwoman for that first time, and that
1: was Brian Cranston playing Gordon. Mm-hmm. You, you, Perfect. You Catwoman. can't you can't look at Jim Gordon without thinking of Bryan Cranston now.
0: Yep, agreed. Yeah, no, I think it was fantastic, and and just in terms of overall adaptations, I mean. I think X-Men, the animated series is more of a nostalgia pick. Like when I go back and watch it now, it's, it's good, but kind of cheesy, but Batman, the animated series holds up. And so that would be like my one and one a and invincible probably needs to, you know, stand the test of time a little more to, to be able to hold a candle to uh, the animated series. But, but it's right up there. And I think the portrayal of robot was just, they did it in a way where they kind of sped up the storyline. Like, like you get, you, you see more about robot and you kind of like, know he's kind of a villain even by the end of this first season of invincible. Whereas it took, it took a long time the comic but i mean this is yeah so but this is a you know it's an animated series we're probably not going to get 80 episodes so i see why they had to to speed that up a little bit but but for some reason it didn't feel rushed to me it actually felt natural for the pace of the show uh so i'm super excited for season two but yeah i think they they did an absolutely fantastic job of that and um speaking of animated series i just found out that this is a thing um, I mean, I knew it was a thing, but I didn't know I could watch it. There was actually a Savage Dragon animated series. I think it was just maybe a season it, or it two. It
1: was, uh, it was on MTV. I think it was our friend Kyle so. in the second comics fan zone that brought it up.
0: Mm-hmm. It's on Peacock to be watched. Oh, have you so, watched it? I have not. I mean, like, I watched it a little of it when I was a kid, but I, I really barely remember it. So I'm kind of curious. I, I, I doubt it's great, but I am curious to go back to it. Maybe I'll do a little Patreon bonus where I, where I go through some of those episodes.
1: I wonder if it's going to be like uh Todd McFarlane's spawn where you see Eric Larson at the beginning of each episode of Savage Dragon. Oh really? Is that right? I don't know. Because if you watch the spawn HBO series, um, Todd McFarlane introduced every episode. That's kind of cool, but if you have no clue who he is or don't care about Spawn, you're like, who the fuck is this guy?
0: Nice. Nice. Well, Remzo, I think that about does it for our, uh, for our little villain breakdown here. And um, one thing I want to mention, you know, we, the last uh, Wednesday of the month is typically our SBC potpourri episode, where we kind of look at, uh, you know, TV movies, comics, films, whatever we're watching and reading this month, because we're doing this Kirby club episode. Uh, And, that's a special way to give a little extra thanks to our patrons. We're actually going to have the SBC as a Patreon only show that'll probably be coming out sometime in the next week or so. Uh, so look for that one on the Patreon feed. And if you love our potpourri episodes, if you love where we talk about what books we're reading, what books we're watching, um, well, for as little as five bucks a month, you can join us this, this month on that one, too. Uh, again, patreon.com slash Pod Remzo, anything else? To, uh, it's weird to, uh, to wrap up a show without having to grade something on a number scale, but here we are. Well,
1: you know, numbers, we, we, don't, we don't count good, as Forrest Gump would say. As always, folks, remember, please leave us a five-star rating and review. If you loved us, share amongst your friends. Never forget, the only thing you need to know, read comics and change the world. And change the world. Good night, America. Adios.